Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Live. We're joined by my co-host today, Mark Schofield. Uh, we had a mailbag last week. Um, is this has been a crazy two weeks for me and Mark. Mark went to Boston, got to tour the old uh that old Red Sox stadium. How, how was that? That was really cool, Connor. And what was cool about it was my family, so my grandfather gets back from World War II in nine in 45, settles in Newton, gets a job and gets Red Sox season tickets in 46. And so we had season tickets, third base grandstand, front row in section 29 from 46 to 94 in our family. And so, you know, you mentioned a big game in Red Sox history, obviously game six and 75, right? My mom and my aunt were at that game. Like my grandpa and I, my mom and I, we were going to games in 86, um, but I had never done the tour. And I hadn't been to, I haven't been to a game at Fenway in maybe 10 years they've put so much new stuff into there. Like I had never been on top of the monster. Right. Um, you got to go into the press box and stuff like that. So it was cool, man. It, it was really cool. And I understand you were down in the ATL. Yeah. I was down in Georgia baseball tournament down there. So we played, we played a week down there. So that's why we had to split it up. Cause I left Wednesday morning for a eight and a half hour drive to Georgia. You were coming back from Boston. So we were just, uh, a bunch of tourists this this weekend yeah, traveling. How did how the tournament go? I wasn't bad. We it's it's literally the biggest like travel showcase baseball tournament in the world, pretty much. So there's like 438 teams down there. Um, oh. We lost a bunch of close games, won a couple of close games, so we ended up not making the playoffs. But only 130 some teams did, so we were right j- just missed. But uh, it was a good experience, a lot of fun. So a lot of cool for our guys to kind of see some of the we walked around the the you know while we're playing and we walked around the complex afterwards and you see like I mean all the teams that just played in the college world series old miss you know you see all their coaches just walking around recruiting guys so it's, it's oh, a wow. really cool experience but um yeah we're trying to march forward towards uh training camp and yeah it's list season right like we see the quarterback rankings we see the running back list we see all that so we figured we'd come in today and make our own list um, we're not going to do a quarterback. We're not going to do the running backs. We're going to look at the NFC East and create a top 10 player ranking list in the NFC East. And we're going to go from 10 to one. So we'll give our 10th player first um, and work our way towards number one. 
Mark, being that you're not a, a fan of any of these NFC East teams, I'm really intrigued to hear your list because it's, it's going to be an unbiased list. Um, so I, I want to start it off with you and see where you went with the 10th best player in your mind in the NFC East. Yeah, and, and I got to say, I struggled here for two reasons. One, I felt like I had to get a giant on here. Like, that, that, that was my first question <laughs> for you. Do you have a giant on the list? Because I do not. I did. I, 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 I sort of jammed one in here at 10. And then I went back and forth on which giant it should be. I thought about Leonard Williams. Um, but I went with Xavier McKinney, the safety. Um, you know, had a pretty good year last year. I think he's finally sort of shown the promise because when he was coming out, people were like, oh, save an ideal safety. Like, you know, he's going to be the guy that, you know, he can run any defense with him. He's going to be the captain of the defense for years. And it kind of took a while for it to come together, I think. But, you know, last year did him, you know, they used him half field, single high. They put him down in the box, played him some snaps at corner. You know, he had five picks last year, showed some pretty good ball skills. And so the interest of getting a safety on here, I mean, on a safety, a giant on here, Xavier McKinney at 10. I, that was the only player for the Giants I considered. Um, yeah. When I was looking through the rosters, coming through the rosters, I was just like, man, they have a bad roster. <laughs> yeah, they do. They've got a like, really you, bad you, roster. You, you right. kind of start, like for me, when I'm doing these lists, I start at the offense and the defensive line because that's normally where your big-time players are. And uh, Yeah. I mean, they just – I mean, you could you could talk about Andrew Thomas, but he's had a really bad year and then he had a really good year. So, it's just like I don't think he can crack that list yet. And Xavier McKinney popped up. I was really high on him coming out of Alabama two years ago. Um, that first year was kind of slow, and then last year he kind of – he burst onto the scene a little bit and had a really good season, I thought. So, I was excited to see him kind of blossom. Um, I went – again, I, my, my, I want you to tell me if my list is biased when we go through this. Okay. My 10th – best player in the division went back and forth between Xavier McKinney um, and Trayvon Diggs, but I did give it to Trayvon Diggs. Um, and wow. he, he was my 10 is he's been, you know, he's been a guy who's he, he's, he's very hit or miss. Um, I think towards the back end of 2021, we saw him clean up some of his coverage issues at times. I mean, he's still, still going to get beat. He's kind of a feast or famine corner, but um, you know, the ball skills have always been there for him. I think he showed some big time games late in the season against guys like Terry McLaurin um, outside of a couple reps in San Francisco against that San Francisco game. He played really well. So I gave him the, uh, the, the 10 ranking on my list. Um, and, and I want to see if you think I'm crazy for that. I, I don't think it, I know Diggs has been sort of a hot button as yeah. we are, like you said, Connor in list season, like he's, he's on my list. Um, okay. So there's that. Right. Um, I did outside corners over at USA Today, and I had him in, in terms of just outside corners at 12. Right. And I got some blowback on that. But look, you people can acknowledge him the, higher. Or that's too high. People, I both. That's that's what's crazy with him. He's such a yeah. I mean, I had people say, "How can you look at 11 interceptions, the most interceptions we've seen in like decades, right. and say he's not at least a top 10 guy?" And then I, I had other people say, "How can you look at 11 DPIs and over a thousand yards receiving allowed and say he's anywhere close to the top 10?" Like he's such a polarizing guy. Right. I tend to come down to the fact that in the NFL today, you've got to create turnovers as a defense. Absolutely. Like, like that's, that's the ball game. Like you're not going to get stops all the time, but you got to take some swings. I like feast or famine guys. That's why I like Marshawn Lattimore too. They're, yeah. they're like boom bust type guys. And so I, I think Diggs at 10 or, you know, I got them higher on my list. I don't think it's crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I went back and forth with it. You know, I, I thought he just definitely deserved to be on it. Where was my biggest question? Yeah. Um, I kind of moved him around from that seven to 10 ranking a few different times, but he ended up 10 for me. Who you got a nine? Uh, Dallas Goddard. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm actually writing up my top 12 NFL tight ends right now for USA Today. Uh, you've got two from the NFC East on here. Um, oh, no, you've got one from the NFC East on here because I bumped Schultz off. Okay. Schultz was originally my guy at 10, but I thought of the interest of getting a giant on here. I took him off and put um, McKinney in. So Schultz is not on here. If that angers people, I do apologize. Um, you know, with, with Goddard, you know, there's a reason why they felt comfortable moving off from Ertz. He can do pretty much everything you want from a tight end in today's NFL. He can block, he can catch, he can get vertical. Like he can do a lot of different things. Um, you know, there's a couple of other Eagles, there's two other Eagles players on here, but Goddard was nine for me. Okay. This will probably be my most interesting one because this, this is a guy that I think you could have as high as like five or as low as where I have him, but he's got to be on the list. And that was Terry McLaurin for me. Um, he's my ninth guy. Um, and I went back and forth with him and AJ Brown. I was like, who's the better receiver? Cause the guys are, you know, they, I feel like they're in that same tier of guys where, you know, they've played with the quarterbacks. We wouldn't call, you know, elite level quarterbacks being Ryan Tannehill and, and being uh, Taylor Heineke and, and the mixture of guys at Washington's thrown out there. So I went back and forth with it. I gave A.J. Brown a slight bump um, just because I think he's he's a little bit more physical after the catch. He does a few of the things that I value a little bit more in the wide receiver position than Terry McLaurin. But both of those guys are outstanding wide receivers. And for me, I went Terry McLaurin nine. Um, and we'll have A.J. Brown's name for me here a little bit, uh, here in a little bit. Yeah, I, I giggled because – I had the arrow switched here because I initially, I initially had McLaurin at nine and I got her at eight. And the more and more I thought about it, I just like flipped those two because, yeah. you know, you, you look at, yes, Goddard's a very good player, um, but McLaurin, I, I think the receiver bump, you know, gets him just up. So yeah. I have McLaurin at eight, but yeah, we kind of view them. I mean, we view Terry pretty much the same way and similar to the, you know, I've got AJ Brown a little bit higher. AJ Brown's ability against press, I think gives him a bump. Right. You know, yeah. because he's he's a physical guy, like he can be press line defenders. Like I think that's gonna be big for Philly because now you can take Smith and put him in the slot. You know, yeah. you can move him around a bit, get him off the ball, give him a bit of a freer release because AJ Brown can be press coverage. But yeah, I mean for me, McLaren was eight, but I have him at nine, eight on your list. I think that's the right spot for him. My eight is probably gonna be if people I don't know, I'll I'll get your thoughts on it too, because I think people will hear my eight and then be like, all right, you're just being biased at this point. But Demarcus Lawrence came in an eight for me. Um, I still think play in and play out when he's healthy and you're watching the tape, he's one of the most disruptive defensive linemen in the NFL when he's healthy. And when he's – and, again, I said defensive lineman, not pass rusher. Um, I think he can rush the passer at a high level, but what he does from a run defense perspective, what he does as a pass rusher, you know, taking up a lot of attention, you know, getting a lot of the chips, the double teams um, – I think what he does for that defense is is really, you know, it's something you can't really just put, you know, points to. So um, he wasn't, he hasn't been healthy a lot recently. So for me, that's why he's at eight, because I think that if he's healthy, he's a guy who could be considered one of the top six, you know, five, five, six best players in the NFC. So his, his injury history here recently bumped him down a little bit, but I think he'll, you know, come back this year, hopefully have a healthy season and prove to be one of the better players in that division. Yeah, I mean, it, it's high for me. Um, he's in sort of the also receiving votes category for right. me in this list. 
but I think the point, Connor, that you make about what he means to this defense, right? Because if he was just like a pure pass rusher, you'd have to use Micah Parsons differently, right? right. But the fact that Lawrence can stop the run, can set yes. the edge, can be, like you said, more of a defensive lineman at times and a pure pass rusher, that frees up Parsons to do different things. That frees up other guys to do different things. That gives Dan Quinn some versatility. I think that should count for something. Yep. Now, whether it makes him one of the top 10 players in the NFC East or one of the top 10, you know, edges in the NFL or not, I think that with the injury history makes it a little tougher. But I think what he means to this team is huge. And so I think that's a really good point. Yeah. And I'm interested to see this year, you know, where last year they were able to reduce him down inside and have Randy Gregory and Michael Parsons both rush off the edge. And he's playing that three technique, you know, pass rush role. That's something that they might not be able to do as much yeah. this year because they don't have that other edge rusher that's going to, you know, consistently be a threat. So, like I said, what he could bring to the defense the last few years when he was healthy and what I think he can do, you know, as a guy who can move down inside, be a, one of the, I mean, it is metrics, everything. Tape says he's one of the best run defending defensive ends in the NFL. And then what he brings as a pass rusher when he's healthy, it was, it was tough for me to leave him off, but I'm just a huge fan of his in general. So I might be a little biased there. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, there are reasons to have him on this list and, you know, it's just the injuries, I think, plus, yep. you know, some of the other things make it a little bit tougher, but I get why you put him on here. Uh, for me at seven, I've, that's where I've got digs. Um, Again, the boomer boss, like we, we talked about it a little bit. Like, yes, 11 interceptions. Yes, 11 DPIs. Like, yes, a ton of turnovers and pass breakups. Yes, he also turned to guys. He was covered into a thousand yard receivers generically over the course of the year. But I still think, like I said earlier, in today's NFL, you kind of have to take some chances at corner. Like, that's kind of the name of the game. Like, you're going to give up some big plays, sure, but the game's tilted to offenses. So you might as well try to take some swings. And so, I appreciate the, the risks that he takes and the ball skills and the production he showed last year. And I think you're also right down the stretch. He seemed to clean some things up like earlier in the year, like he's biting on double moves. Like, like he's, he's given up big yardage, but I think sort of down the stretch, he sort of was a little bit more patient. And if he continues that, he could even, he could even have a better year next year and yeah. you might see like four or five interceptions, but he might be a better corner overall. Yeah. I mean, I think it's crazy too with Diggs is he's only been playing the position for a few years. You know, like yeah. came to Alabama as a wide receiver, you know, he transitioned there to, to, you know, they kind of told him, hey, if you're going to play in the NFL, you're going to have to play a different position. So the fact that he's still kind of growing at that position is what makes it super intriguing with him yeah. because it's he's still kind of tapping into his potential. Um, for me at number seven, I went with Jason Kelsey, center for the Eagles, um, a guy who's getting up there in age. You know, they kind of, I think, drafted his replacement this year um, in Cam Jurgens, but a guy who I think when he's healthy and he's on the field, he's still one of the better centers um, in the league. Just a, just one of the guys who knows where to be at all times. He's not going to get beat. He's just a consistent, easy-as-you-go player. Um, and, again, he's kind of running out of time, I think, with his career, but I think he's been such a fun player to watch for so long. Um, he's given the Cowboys a ton of issues for so long that I, I couldn't leave him off my list. I think he, he'd come in at number seven for me and – a guy that I'll be happy to see go while also being sad to see go because he's such a fun guy to watch. Yeah, I I, I, I really am kicking myself for leaving him off. Like, he, he's so good. Um, I put up my my top, I think, 12 centers or something today over at USA Today, and I had him at two. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I kept trying to get other guys above him, like, uh, you know, Frank Ragnall, for example, Detroit. Right. Like, I wanted to put him there, but he was hurt last year, so I dropped him down. Creed Humphrey, like – I, I put Creed at three. 
um, with, with Kelsey at two and Lindsay at one. And I was just like, he's still so good. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, they drafted his replacement, but still plays at such a high level. And plus that play against the Saints last year, you know, that San- Miles Sanders run where yeah. he gets sprinting like 30 yeah. yards downfield. And I'm like, he looks like his brother. Like he's moving so well for a center. Um, Still plays at such a high level. So I'm glad you put him on there. I, I couldn't find – I should have put him at 10 over McKinney. I was trying to be nice to Giants fans, <laughs> and I end up just, you know, screwing up my list here. But <laughs> I had I had no remorse for the Giants. I was just like, yeah, y'all's roster is pretty bad. So. Well, see, you know, <laughs> part of it is I, I got to remember that I do some work over Big Blue View. I mean, I, I can't I got, can't got, make all of the readers mad. I mean, this is the problem. I'm doing them. I'm doing shows here, at Big Blue View, and at Bleeding Green. Like, I'm gonna be making NFC East fans mad all season <laughs> long. It's gonna be my mentions are gonna be a nightmare. Um, all right, so at six, I this is where I put AJ Brown. Um, you know, I, I went back and forth on putting him anywhere from like three to eight. Um, Cause we do have to sort of see him in this Eagles offense. Right. So there is that factor, but like we talked about earlier, the ability against press, what it might mean for the Eagles offense to move Smith down um, his ability after the catch is his toughness over the middle. The, the fact he plays with no fear. I think he's going to be huge for this Eagles offense. I think he's one of the game's better receivers. And so, yeah, I put him at six. Same here for all the same reasons so won't waste any time there like I said the the only pause you have is can Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offense get him as involved as he was in Tennessee so yeah um yeah definitely agree there number five five, another receiver this is where I put CD okay Um, I left CD off really not on my list wow so I'm interested to see what our what our top five looks yeah I feel like our top five is going to be wildly different then um but yeah I, I look I the game making, you know, the explosive playmaking skills, like game breaker type of guy. Like, I think he's going to have a huge year this year as well. Um, I was a fan of his coming out catch radius. Like, I, I think he's got pretty much everything you want from an NFL receiver. Um, some of the route running, the ability to sink his hips on breaks. Like, I'm just a fan of what he does technically, too. So, this is where I put CD. I'm surprised you don't have him on. Don't have him on. I went, I went back and forth with him, Diggs, and McKinney at 10 and went with Diggs, but wow. Um, number five, and again, for some of the reasons we said with AJ Brown, you know, where we are having some pause there, where he would go is the same thing. I'm with CD is like, we haven't seen him be the number one yet. Right. We've seen the inconsistencies, you know, from game to game, you know, he's, he's kind of played banged up for two years. So it's like, can you stay healthy and can you for sure overtake getting all the attention? And I get it. I get it. So for five, I went with kind of what you're talking about with Jason Kelsey here. I went with Tyron Smith. Um, a guy that when he's healthy, I think he's a top three left tackle in the NFL, can be as high as one, can be as low as three. The health just kind of reaped him from, from being that guy, you know, over the last two or three years. Um, you know, it's it sounds like, again, everybody's the healthiest they've been in their career this time of right. year. But it sounds like he's, you know, he's supposed to, the back's feeling good, the neck's feeling good. You know, I think he's got a lot to prove this year, so I'm gonna bet. I'm gonna bet on him. Maybe not playing full 16 games, but not missing a big chunk of the season like he has here recently. So, I, I still will put all my chips on Tyron Smith's basket until the injury crops up, and then you you start to panic a little bit. But when on the field, when healthy, there's few left tackles that that can do what he can do in the NFL. You, you said uh, Tyron Smith, not Tyler, right? Yes, Ty, Tyron Smith. I didn't. I didn't have him on my top ten. Like it, it's more. Really? Than, yeah, it's more than, it the injuries more than anything else. Huh? Like, is the injuries more than yeah. anything else? I mean, yeah. 
like you're right. You're right. Like when he's healthy, he's like, you know, anywhere from like one to four in terms of left tackles yeah. in the NFL. Trent Williams, Tyron Smith, and a handful of other guys that you can debate. And yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it's definitely a question. It's, it's, you're, you're betting on the health and hoping to stay healthy. If he does, yeah. you're, you're in great shape. And if you're comfortable making that bet and it pans off, you're going to be really glad you did. If it doesn't pan out, you better have drafted Tyler Smith in the first round. And, and I'm not going to lie, like his contract goes into it too. Like we didn't, we're not talking about that at all on any of this stuff, but the dude's making like not a whole lot of money to be still a really good left tackle, even though he's missing a handful of games a year. Wow. Base salary this year of 13 with a prorated bonus of four. So it's just 17 million as a cap number for a premier left tackle. I know. And he's had, he sent a 10 year, I think it was a 10 year contract 10 years ago. And he's like in the final two years of it. So I mean, he's just not made a ton of like, that's one of the worst contracts ever signed for a guy who's been an elite left tackle for 90% of his career. (laughs) In terms of the average value per year, there are guys like Cam Robinson, Garrett Bowles, Tyler Lewan, Deion Dawkins, Joseph Noteboom, and Charles Leno Jr. making more per year than he is. Crazy. Man. It goes in. I mean, truly, when I was looking at it, I was just like, you're talking about a team who's struggled with the salary cap. You know, they had to move on from players because they told us they couldn't afford them. But Tyron Smith just continuing to get underpaid every year, even though he does miss a handful of games. Like, when you look at what he makes, you just go, okay, yeah, we can put up with a missing two or three games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that kind of that kind of works. Okay, I get it. <laughs> All right, number four. This is where I put Darius Slay. Um, big fan of his game. He's also benefits like they got him in the perfect system. Like like scheme fit. We talk about all the time for like quarterbacks and stuff. Scheme fit matters a ton for defensive backs. Like he's so much better at playing like off playing zone and clicking and close and then he is like trying to play tight man and so they got him in the ideal system i'm actually working on a piece for the giants like you know if you could take one player from the other teams in the nfc east non-quarterback who would you take and for the giants like slays the guy i take from the eagles like i think he'd be perfect in that system as well um a lot of production i know he's mad now too because you know the nfl executives on that espn list didn't have him as like one of the top 15 corners or whatever right and so he's pretty angry about that but yeah this is where it got slid is that your last eagle on the list yeah because i got three cowboys left all right so i went i went back and forth here with darius slay and lane johnson I went with Darius Slay as well, just because I feel like Lane Johnson, kind of like we said with Jason Kelsey, so I kind of do feel bad for leaving him off. I put Darius Slay on here as well at four. Um, again, I think he's another guy that just doesn't get the respect that he deserves uh, for, for playing the position that he plays, for playing it as long as he's played and for as good as he's played. Um, I felt bad leaving Lane Johnson off this list because of how good he's been as a right tackle for so long. But I feel like we've kind of seen his play slip a little bit the last yeah. couple of years. The health starting to, you know, crop up. The age is starting to crop up. So I went with, you know, I went with the more premier position, I guess you can say, with it being the corner over the right tackle. Yeah. Um, I kind of, like I said, I, I thought about throwing hit Lane Johnson in at 10 and leaving Slate here. And I said, well, I could just – I could make the argument that Lane Johnson's still a top five player in the NFC East. And then I just, I went, you know what? I've, I've put the Jason Kelsey's on, I put Tyron Smith's on. So I'm going to go with, with more of the, you know, sure, not, not banking on him being healthy and kind of taking a step up after a long career. So I, I went with uh, 
Darius Slay as well here at four. Yeah, and, and you know, I struggled keeping Johnson off as well, but you know, I I kind of te- as you can see from the list tended towards more skill position guys. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah, I do have one lineman left um, that we're going to get into in a second, but um, yeah, I mean, the right tackle position is part of it. The injuries is also part of it, and plus, like you know, Slay the production that he's shown. That's kind of why I went there. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, like I said, I thought I thought I was kind of surprised. I figured you'd have Lane Johnson in. I was kind of like when I when I wrote my list, I was like, we're gonna fight about Darius Slay because you know uh, he's a he's kind of a, a a big you know topic of conversation too. Like some people think he's great, some people think he's you know washed. So yeah, no, I'm I'm a big fan of his game, and yeah, I, I, I do, but I do think that he's not gonna have that kind of success say in New England where they play more cover one. Right. Like, like the fact that he's playing more three, four, right. that they're playing him in off coverage and off man, I think is a big part of it. But I think because of that fit, he's so valuable to what they right. do. And he's, it makes him one of the better players in the, in the East. Yeah. No, I agree. All right. So at three, I've got Zach Martin. And still plug it away, man. All right. At three, I got Dak Prescott. Um, okay. I think when you talk about value in terms of value, he's probably the most valuable player in the NFC East. I think when you look at the talent, I just got, I got two guys who I think are better at their position than I guess you could say Dak is at his, but I mean, I don't need to tell this to anybody on this show. I'm, I'm probably Dak Prescott's biggest fan. So yeah. <laughs> it's in no terms of disrespect. It's more so just the respect I'm giving these other two guys that I'm getting ready to list. But Again, a guy that I think he, he played banged up, you know, had a calf injury, had a shoulder injury, was recovering from a nasty ankle injury, still played really well for, you know, half to three quarters of the season last year. Oh. Um, once the calf injury kind of cropped up on him, I think that mentally kind of shook him up big time. And it was inconsistent from game to game, from, from series to series. So I think he'll get back after a fully healthy season and, and return to being, you know, you know, he's, he seems to still fall in that top 10 quarterback ranking list that we've seen come out, but I think he'll kind of work himself back into that top eight, I think, um, yeah. is some of those other guys work themselves out and he'll work himself back in. So, again, one of the better – I still think one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. It's all about him just staying healthy and, and being being healthy upstairs too so he can trust his body and, and trust his mechanics to get in the right position and, and, and do, the, do the right things. Yeah, I mean, you're entirely right about the calf. Like, like when that cropped up, you could see it. Like, he wasn't driving through throws. He wasn't finishing throws. Like, like it certainly impacted him last year. But you're right. Like, when I'm doing my top ten quarterbacks, he'll be in. Like, even with that last year, it's it's a matter of staying healthy. And so, yeah, I, I'm. I see certainly the, you know, in the conversation for best quarterback in the East, and certainly in the conversation for one of the best quarterbacks in the game. Yep. At number two, this is where I put Parsons, and it, it's. It's so hard to rank this guy for a couple of reasons. Like when I did off ball linebackers, I think I had him at five in league wide. When I did pass rushers, I had him at five there. Like, like he's a unicorn, um, you know, and this was just a rookie season where he's asked to do a lot, but I think he's already shown that forget one of the best players in the East. He might be one of the best football players in the game. Like how you rank him in terms of like linebacker or pass rusher. He's a football player. And I joked in one of the lists that I put together, it's like I wanted to do just a separate standalone piece of just like unicorn type players with like Parsons, with Kyle Pitts, like guys that you don't really assign a position to. It's just they're football players and they're dominant at what they do. And he's atop that list in my mind. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's on my list as well. 
no, no shocker to anybody. He did make my, my, I just want to let everybody know listening that he did make my list. Um, Michael Parsons is one of the better players in the NFC. So who's a two then? Zach Martin. Uh, okay. Again, for the reasons you said, like, can you, you really can never say a bad, I don't know if Zach Martin's ever had a bad game. He might've had a bad snap or two in some of his yeah. games, but literally, I mean, I've been watching football for what, 26 years at this point. I I can't think of five bad things or five bad games that he's had in his six, seven year career at this point. It's just, you don't, you don't get to say that about many people. Like the right. guy is as consistent as it gets. He's as good as it gets. You know, he's, he's strong. He's mo- mobile. He's athletic. He just does everything at the highest level. The only knock you can have on Zach Martin is he plays right guard. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it's a, a positional value thing. Right. Like, other than that, like I, I love, you know, looking at like PFF grades. I don't use them, but like charting stuff on like negative plays and stuff like that. And even like plays that they deem negative are just like, yeah, he didn't finish a block on the third level. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's just, he's so good. You got him with two. I got him with three. Like he's, he's among the best there is. If he was a left tackle and doing this, he might be one of the top 10 players in the league. That's the crazy thing is I feel like you could literally play him at left or right tackle. Probably still be the same player he is. (laughs) Yeah, you probably could. He played some right tackle last year before last, and he actually got – that's the game he got hurt in when he was playing right tackle. Um, But he played it at an absurdly high level, the game he did. He just – you know, I think that's more of a bad luck thing where he's like, all right, I'm I'm not – because at this season when they talked about moving him to right tackle, he's like, I'm a left – I'm a right guard, not playing right tackle. And I think that was because when they did the one time he's gotten hurt really in his career is when they moved. Like, I'm not doing that again. Yeah. So. All right. Number one for me, Jalen hurts. I like it. No, I'm just, no, it's Dak. It's Dak. It's Dak. <laughs> I mean, I, look, I'm a quarterback guy. You're going to get the top quarterback at one on these lists. It's a quarterback driven league. Like, you know, I, we talked about Dak and the calf injury, but I still think, look, he's one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the game. I, I expect big things from him this year. I'm excited to see what he looks like with some new faces on offense. But for me, the top player in the East is is Dak Prescott. I love it. Obviously, like I said, you know, being as big of a fan as him and and the person, the player, everything, I love to hear that. I went with Michael Parsons for yeah. a lot of the reasons you just said, just like I don't know if there's a player more freaky in the NFL. I mean, we just watched him race against a bunch of corners and wide receivers and linebackers and safeties and other defensive linemen and there's arguments whether he won the you know the the 40 yard race or whatever it was that they were doing and and it's just it's insane to see a guy with his size his strength his speed his change of direction skills like he's he's the zach martin of yeah you know where it's just like what can't he do he can do literally all (laughs) i honestly i wouldn't do it but you could probably line him up a corner, yeah, and he'd be okay. Yeah, like I mean, you could probably I mean, some put of the plays he made in coverage last year were nuts. Yeah, and you know, I mean, there, there's there's very few things he cannot do on a football field, like accounted for all twenty two positions. Yeah. Like I don't know if he could play QB, <laughs> but I, if I needed him to take some snaps, I'd do it. Like, and the the other thing about him is, if you asked him to play quarterback, he'd be like, hell yeah. Yeah, like there, like there's people like I said, like kind of Zach Martin, where he's like, "Hey, can you slide out the right tackle?" He's gonna be like, "No, nah, I got hurt." Michael Parsons be like, "Sure, yeah, and I'll do." I, he, he, he the bet, better he, thing about him is he'd probably be saying that same sentence, and I'd be better than Dak at it. 
He begged to return punts last year. Yeah. As a linebacker. Yeah. Begged. <laughs> I mean, you need a guy like that on your team. Like, yeah. you know, you go to at one, I go to at two, like, and that's after one season in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, he's, he, he's ridiculous. It, it's just, I mean, I liked him coming out of Penn State. A lot of my questions, you know, there's a lot of off the field stuff yeah. with him coming out. And, you know, I people think I hated him because I had him like at the end of the first round, early, you know, second round grade. But it was, hey, we're having these maturity questions. There's a lot of stuff, you know, murky about the off the field coming from Penn State. You know, is he going to be mature enough to handle the the NFL? And, I mean, you can't – like, if there's anything that you can – Mark is a positive. It's just how mature he's been since he's gotten right. into the league. And I, I also feel like, you know, the the pass rushing edge part of his game, it was more of a question mark. Right. Like it was something that you saw, but it required a lot of projection to say like, right. yeah, you can play an edge in the NFL. Like the people that saw that, all the power to them, but it was a bit of a projection. So that's why you might say, look, if he's just an off-ball linebacker with maturity issues, you'll bump him down a bit because right. of positional value and other things. Now that you have that edge component to him, it's like, all right, yeah, we get it. He's like top dude, right. top player of the league. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I remember writing his scouting report for my draft guide that year. And, <laughs> like, in the overall summary portion, I was like, you know, the athleticism shows at the linebacker position. And I remember being like, he'll need to tune up you know, the mental aspect of some of the linebacker stuff. He, he's kind of a guesser and, you know, you yeah. trusted his athleticism a little too much at Penn state. And I was like, all right, the NFL could take advantage of that a little bit. But I was like, if he uses that athletic skill set as a pass rusher, like even if he's not quite ready to be an off the ball linebacker in year one, just put him on the edge and let him run fast and be strong on the edge. And like, that's kind of what Dan Quinn did. Like he picked and choose when he wanted to use them at, at what position. And it just, that, like I said, it was a it was a match made in heaven, I think, because Rod Marinelli for years would have just played him as you know Will linebacker, Mike yeah. linebacker, and he would have you know been good, but he been good, but not what he is, right? So the fact that he got with a defense coordinator who could see his skill set and go, holy moly, we can uh we can we can get a guy who can have 11, 12, 13, 14 sacks off the edge while also being one of the better off the ball linebackers in the yeah. league. It was just it was a perfect match for for both of those guys. Oh, and absolutely, it's. It's 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 gonna be fun to kind of see where he ends up because you could talk about him. You know, it's already been mentioned with Lawrence Taylor's and all that, and it sounds crazy after just one year. But the way he plays, his mentality, his skill set—it's not. You can't rule it out. Can't rule it out. Yeah. So, you know, who we didn't I, real real quick. The names that we didn't get on this list, neither one of us did. Chase Young, which some Washington Commanders fans might be mad, but it's just he hasn't been healthy in his one year. He was good, but. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Like we're both here in the sort of Washington area. Like you know, when I did my top edge rushers, I had them in like sort of the honorable mention category. Right. Uh, the guys on one hundred six seven had me on, and they were like, "What's the case for him?" Right? It's just traits and promise. Right. Like he's been injured. Like the production hasn't been there. And yeah, you know, you can make a case that like you know he frees up you know single one on one matchups for other guys because he's getting doubled and stuff. Okay, but does that make him one of the 10 best edge rushers? Does that make him one of the 10 best players in the NFC East? Like, I don't think he's there. Yeah. I, I considered putting Jonathan Allen on my list before. I did, too. Like, I thought about, you know, putting him on. Yeah. Um, I also uh, – their center, Chase Roulier, like, I yeah. thought about putting him on. Um, but, 
I ended up with just McLaren on there. Yeah, that's that, that was mine as well. Like I said, I kind of went back and forth on Jonathan Allen. Saw Chase Young's name. Obviously, he's got a big name, but I just I was like, I can't put him on this list yet. He hasn't he hasn't done that that no. that type of that type of play yet. So, but um, yeah, this was fun. Like I said, I, I normally I hate lists, but I do like hearing people's opinions. I do like bouncing you know things off of each other and doing more lists like this instead of just going, hey, this is my opinion on this quarterback and we're yeah. with them. And- oh man, I I will say I'm very excited for list season to be over. Me too. <laughs> Because one, it will mean football is actually back, but like arguing over like corners seven versus six is just like brutal. Which, if you're ranked as like one of the top 10 or 15 players at your position, you're like the 99th percentile. Yeah. Like, I just do good. Tier, I do tiers nowadays. Like, I I, I'm, a, I, I'm so glad you, I love tiers, like, especially for quarterbacks, especially like, for QBs. Like, here's the elite guys. Here's the next group of guys. Here's the next group of guys. Like, there you go. Wherever if you want to jumble around inside the tier, that's yeah. fine. But the thing is, though, as we both know, nobody clicks on tiers. I know. People have to get mad, and they have to click on lists and then yell at you. Yep. The, the slideshow list, too. Those, yep. always, those always do the numbers. <laughs> that's what the game is, man. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. Training camp is here coming up. We're in the month of training camp, so we will have a lot more – informative things to talk about about the Cowboys. We probably won't be doing any more lists, thank God. Thank God. But, but after a week of a lot of uh, discourse on Twitter, arguments on Twitter about lists, we figured we'd bring you a good list. And we think our list was pretty good. So, we appreciate, so. we appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, make sure you subscribe to all the other shows on the Podcast Network. We'll be back next week on the Talk of the Star Podcast. Thanks for listening.